From the broadcast booth to a courtside seat to the post-game locker room, nobody's closer to the action than our guys. It's Chris, JD, and Mike here inside the Press Box. And glad to have you with us on great stations around the state of Alabama, including Scottsboro Sports Leader 1050 WWIC and our friends listening on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM. Mike Grace from the Breakline Optic Studios. J.D. Byers is in Mobile and Chris Stewart on the road with Bama Baseball in Columbia, South Carolina. Have we done the, like the Ramada roulette yet? Do we know what, what franchise of hotel he's in based on the background on the Zoom call there, J.D.? Have you guessed yet? I'm going to call. I'm going to go Courtyard. Courtyard by Marriott we're going? How close are we there? Ding. Uh, Ding. Yeah, look at the man. The man is just, the man is something special, ladies and gentlemen. Just, uh, just looking at the background via Zoom, we know he's in, uh, he's in, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, thankfully, we're going to bring some order to the show with Travis Ryer, Bama Online, since 2003, host of the Talking Tide podcast. Uh, big weekend for Bama in a lot of ways, especially last night in Vegas, as we see Evan Neal and Jamison Williams drafted in that first round, top 12 picks, as a matter of fact. Travis, welcome inside the press box. How are you, man? I'm great. How are you guys? Doing right good. Hanging in there. How about the uh, two picks? Any surprise to see those guys go when and where they did? Yeah, I guess not too much of a surprise. What you had been seeing, at least in the Machiaverse, uh, leading up to Thursday night, was that Evan could go anywhere from really the number one pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars, maybe middle of that top ten to the latter stages, and that's kind of the way that it played out. So, uh, bright like big cities for a big guy in Evan Neal. And then Jamison Williams, similar in that you had seen him trending, at least in the mock, somewhere in that. 10 to 15 range, early teens maybe, and um, I guess the equivalent of really a lottery pick in basketball. So it worked out pretty good for Jamison, I think, other than the team that took him, the Detroit Lions, um, to go in that spot coming off the knee injury, pretty impressive. Yeah, go go make money and hope you're not – don't have your heart set on playing in a Super Bowl because that's not going to happen there. But – uh, for Evan Neal, there was there had been originally talk he could be the number one pick. What do you think transpired with all of that? And and I don't necessarily mean what what happened relative to Evan and anything he would have done wrong, obviously. But why do you think it it went from being a conversation of number one to being the number seven pick? Yeah, just looking at it from the Jaguars' perspective, I think that club was intent on going defense in that spot. I think ideally Jacksonville would have traded out from the one, but there just wasn't the quarterback this year that had teams hungry to move up to that spot. And, you know, the Jags just really didn't have any suitors. And with that, they had done some things in free agency, both at wide receiver and also along the offensive line that I think, made them feel better about the defensive approach to the first round last night because they actually traded back into the first round um, to take a defensive player there at 27. So uh, they were obviously intent on cleaning up that side of the ball as much as they could during the early stages of the draft, Chris. And so I don't think it was really uh, an Evan Neal thing. I think it was just that based on you know where teams were picking – it was going to be defense early. Look at the top five picks, right? So, um, you know, when that played out that way, really the highest possible 
spot he could go to was going to be six, seven, eight, somewhere around there. And, you know, that's, that's where he went. And, um, you know, the Jags are, are obviously going to need to help Trevor Lawrence uh, a good bit. Again, they, I think feel like they've done some of that in free agency, but as a Jaguars fan myself, I wanted them to go offensive line, even in the number one spot. Our guest is Travis Ryer, Bama Online. It's uh, it's JD down in Mobile, Travis, and day two's coming up. There's four quarterbacks still out there. You got Malik Willis, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. And then I was looking at, you know, who's still there for the SEC because 12 get taken out of the Southeastern Conference in round one. Matt Corral, quarterback Ole Miss, Roger McCreary from Auburn, 12 taken from the, the league in the first round, and, you know, a ton of those just from Georgia. Um, where, where do you see some of the SEC guys going? Because now there's pressure to hopefully not slip out of the second and go to the third. Yeah, you still have some Georgia guys that I think are going to come off the board pretty quickly. Nicobe Dean? Uh, Nicobe Dean, George Pickens. Um, yeah. You know, so I think there's still going to be plenty of red and black coming here in the in the the immediate picks. But, you know, you still got a John Mechie from Alabama. You still got a Christian Harris from Alabama. You mentioned McCreary. So, uh, I think there's there's still a lot of possibilities along with Corral and um, some other guys from the league. Georgia gets a ton of guys to go, but unlike some other years where we've seen Alabama lose a ton and still be picked number one, Georgia's it, you know it's not like Georgia's falling off the map, but they're not expected to be Georgia again next year. And while we 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 watch the draft. We never have our eye far off of what the current college team rosters are like. And um, it just seems to me like they, they're losing some pieces that they're not quite at a point they're ready to replace automatically, are they? Yeah, as well as they recruit with Kirby and that staff. And that's before you consider, too, their coordinator, um, Dan Lanning moving on to Oregon as a head coach, really good coach. So uh, there is obviously a, a massive overhaul on the defensive side of the ball. And I think where it gets interesting for Georgia is even when you look at the offense, given the transition to the defensive side in the way Georgia was able to play offense a year ago, more of a retro approach with the backs and certainly the tight ends, a big part of that. Um, you know, what you asked Stetson Bennett to do a year ago could be more pressure on that Georgia offense, you know, more of an expectation or a need to score in the thirties, um, more regularly. Not that I think Georgia is going to go through this massive drop off defensively, because again, Kirby and those guys recruited a level and develop at a level where it's as close to a reload as, as you're going to get in college football. But I don't think there's any doubt when you watch five guys go in the first round from one side of the football, the inclination is there's going to be some type of a step back. And so uh, with that, you, you not only wonder about the new faces that are going to step in on that side of the ball, but also what it might require the offensive side of the ball in 2022. What a spectacle this is. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go, go. The fans, the ones who do go, Sometimes it makes you wonder, you know, are our team sending them? Is the NFL sending them or giving them an attractive package to come out and do what they do because they dress up? And then what I saw, uh, you know, you don't necessarily have to be a huge NFL fan to be uh, captivated by this draft. 
the luxury cubicles where some of the high prospects were in these elongated cubicles out in front. And they had like these uh, luxury living room sets. Like they went down to rooms to go and said, hey, we want to decorate our cubicle and get ready to be drafted and called up and put the hat on. That was just something unreal to see, Travis. Yeah, it was. Um, but Vegas, right? I mean, what should we really expect? Um, you know, I was kind of an, expecting a reenactment of Evil Knievel jumping the the fountains at Caesars or something, you know, <laughs> going back to the old days. But, no, it's, it's become a, an incredible event. And whereas, um, you know, there was a lot of excitement about Vegas, I'm going to be probably more excited about one of the real grassroots towns like Kansas city hosting uh, the draft coming up next year. So uh, you know that the, the uh, anticipation and that great fan base is, is going to make that a lot of fun. And yeah, I saw some interesting comments on social media, including from some current NFL players that really the reaction from some of these guys with NIL in place now was kind of like, okay, here's my next deal. You know, that's maybe what we're moving toward, the the reaction and the emotion that we've grown accustomed to seeing with these selections. Is it going to become sort of toned down because, you know, guys are going to go from having NIL deals, um, you know, at least some semblance of, of cash uh, to, to the next level of what is professional football or professional sports. Travis Schreier, our guest here inside the press box. Um, forgive me for going back to the, the college game again from the standpoint of of next year. But, Travis, we talk about Alabama and, and Georgia and, and what they mean within the SEC itself. In Georgia and, and the quest to overtake Alabama, and certainly they did in winning the title last year, but sustaining it is the question mark. How does Kirby avoid what happened for Nick Saban in year two after national championship number one? Yeah, he's seen it firsthand, hasn't he? Um, yeah. Being a part of that 2009 staff and then thinking about the 2010 team. And when you consider that that was the last three loss team for Nick Saban at Alabama, <laughs> Um, pretty amazing run after that fact. So, you know, Kirby, he understands, um, you know, what he's going to be confronted with. And, you know, we're not just talking about, uh, you know, a national championship season for a program. We're talking about a first national championship in 40 plus years. And so there are certainly some cautionary tales and you can look at 2019 LSU, right? Most recently, for more on that and, and how that sort of devolved so quickly uh, in 2020 and 2021. I don't foresee anything like that for Georgia, um, but that's absolutely the, the challenge that confronts that Georgia staff now. And again, a Georgia staff that's undergone some turnover too. Um, the offensive line position, uh, you're, you're going through some change there. So, uh, you know, that's the, the, the great thing about championships is, you know, that, that feeling of elation and accomplishment, again, especially for a program that had been so long in between those titles. But, you know, the other side is that you know, the complacency that can develop and then, you know, trying to replace key pieces, both in terms of roster and, and staff. Travis, always appreciate you. 
great stuff as always. And I just, I don't know why, but I imagine you um, eating different varieties of Peter Brook chocolate <laughs> as you talk to us. I know, I just know how I would be if, if my wife had her own chocolate shop and that's exactly what I'd be doing. So you're a better man than I, if you're not just constantly. No, you've uh, got me pegged. No, munchies. Chris, you're, okay. you're right on it. Um, okay. I, I, you know, 15, 16 years into this thing, you know, I still eat the chocolate. Like it's the first day at Peterbrook. It's, it's ridiculous, normally but it's, you tell us, I'm highly blessed, highly favored. No doubt. You know, cause I was going to say, normally <laughs> you tell a spouse, don't bring your work home with you, but by golly, oh. you want <laughs> when your wife has her own Peterbrook store, bring your own work home. With well, you, if, if she doesn't, I'll go to work. And and yes. so she she kind of exactly. has figured that out by now. I think she likes to keep me out of there as best she can. She can she can regulate it a lot better if she just brings it home. You know, then there's it. <laughs> you can't probably turn you loose in there. Oh, hey, Anna, Travis, man. Travis. Before we let you go, I, I wanted your thoughts, just your side and what you're hearing, but also your opinion with what has now turned into old news, but still talked about is the the news at the NCAA. Mark Emmert stepping down, but you know, the process of now deciding where do we want the NCAA to, to go and look like and then identify a leader to get us there, where do you see it? And do you think that hire will be sooner than later, even though Mark Emmert said he's willing to stay till next summer? You know, I can't even venture to guess how that process is going to play out. Obviously, Greg Sankey's name came up quickly, which he equally is quickly shot down and refuted that possibility. And it's it's really fascinating from a power broker perspective when you look at the SEC right now and you've got the commissioner of the league who's essentially saying, I'm in a great spot where I'm at as the commissioner of the of the SEC. It's kind of similar to when the Pac-12 uh, commissioner job came open. And even at the AD level in the SEC, a guy like Greg Byrne wasn't especially interested in moving to the Pac-12 as the commissioner. So, If you want to know what the pecking order is like right now in college athletics in terms of power brokers, I think those are a couple situations you can point to. And, you know, I I know that there's a need for improved leadership and and those things. But, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's a individual who is essentially going to take shots on behalf of the NCAA in terms of being in front of things and in front of the public. So, um, you know, I'd like to think that there's uh, a major upgrade coming in that position. Um, but man, to try to figure out how that will play out. I, I really don't have a great feel right now. No, I, I right there with you. Appreciate you. Thanks again so much. And we will talk to you soon. Awesome stuff. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Appreciate you. you. Thank you, Travis. You too. Travis Ryergan, BamaOnline.com since 2003 and host of the Talk and Tide podcast. Find it wherever you find your favorite podcast. And on Twitter as well, at Travis Ryer. Just that simple uh, for BamaOnline.com. Put a wrap on uh, this uh, first hour of a Friday, April 29th edition and set you up for hour number two after this. Breakline is more than a brand of sunglasses. They're an Alabama-based company with a vision of providing high-quality Italian-made eyewear to those of you who enjoy life outside the box. Breakline Optics offers dozens of frames to choose from, plus military-grade Trivex lenses and customer support like no one else, including a lifetime warranty and even a loss replacement program. Find your perfect pair online at Breakline.com.
BrakelineOptics.com. BrakelineOptics.com for Italian-made sunglasses built to last. This is Alabama injury attorney Dean Waite. I spent years as an SEC football official, and refereeing an SEC football game is a lot like representing an injured client. Both take hard work, intense preparation, and knowledge of the law. This is what allows us to get our clients maximum compensation for their injury claim. If you've been seriously injured in a car, motorcycle, or big truck accident, visit DeanWaite.com to see how we can help. DeanWaite.com. No representation is made that the quality of the legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. Sports, a powerful force in our society. Through sports, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes impacts the young people of our nation. Our ministry offers them faith, integrity, and values in the face of an often confusing world. What we all have in common is our love for Jesus Christ and our desire to share our faith with others. Because as long as there are sports, there will be a fellowship of Christian athletes. To learn more, call 1-800-289-0909 or visit fca.org. Working with disaster on a Friday. This is pretty much the theme song for this show. Each and every day, yep. April 29th, episode number 330 it is. Mike Grace from the Breakline Optics Studios. Hoping you'll shop online, breaklineoptics.com. Use that code PRESSBOX at checkout to save 20% on those Italian-made sunglasses that are built to last. Our thanks again to Travis Ryer of Bama Online and BamaOnline.com for joining us. Hour two, we'll talk Auburn with uh, Zach Blackerby, our buddy from the Locked On Auburn podcast and his newest venture, that's the Auburn Wire, his partnership with Sports Illustrated and SI.com. So that coming up in hour number two. And we'll head to Vegas and talk to A.P. Statham of the Football Writers Association of America and a regular contributor to our partners down in Foley and Baldwin County, WHEP. AM 1310, 92.5 FM. Uh, AP Stedham is in Vegas covering the NFL draft, and we'll talk to him from Vegas after what was a long and interesting night. Uh, we talked about the draft picks. We talked about the record nine first-round trades that took place last night. And uh, How about the Steelers taking Kenny Pickett? Yeah. Even after they've drafted him, you still got guys doing the TV because I guess they got to have something to talk about, and they're still talking about his hands not being as big as most quarterbacks. I'm like, he's already drafted. Yeah, yeah, they've evaluated him. Yeah. Stop harping on that. But here's the cool thing about Kenny Pickett. The Pitt Panther will get to play his pro football in the same stadium he played his college football. How about that? Yeah, yeah. In pretty Pittsburgh. Cool. That Taken by the Steelers. Cool. And, uh, and and no no uh, Malik Willis He's still at all out in the there. first yeah. round. He is still out there. I think they said, and, and Pickett going at 20, it's like the latest a quarterback has gone since 96 or 97. So, I mean, and it just seems to be like the most uninteresting man. first round since 2013 ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right in there. There are the quarterbacks Willis, Matt Corral, Sam Howell from North Carolina, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati still on the board. So, uh, does Bryce Young still, has he got one more year or two more years at Bama? Will he be draft eligible a year from now? Do you know? I think he's draft eligible a year from now. A year from now. Well, you wonder if you're if you're in need of a quarterback. I think that's right. Do you wait around a year for that guy, hoping to get hoping to get Bryce Young as opposed to someone in this year's class? I don't know. Just a, just a thought. We shall yeah. see. That's J.D. Byers from Mobile. Chris Stewart checks back in from Columbia, South Carolina momentarily. And yours truly, Mike Grace, inside the Breakline Optic Studios for a Friday edition of the show. You got a thought? You got a comment? Reach out to us via social media. You can direct message us at... Uh, 
Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's simple. Press Box Radio 1. Press Box Radio and the number one.